Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, and pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our effort is to get our show's information and message out to more and more people. So please share, like, and also tag friends that you know would really enjoy this information. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and syndicated on missionsradio.org and liveleadplay.com. We're always looking for guests on our Teen to Parent Talk If you know of a young adult between the age of 18 to 25 years old who like to share their story, their journey, or insights, please contact us at parentpumpradio at gmail.com. So now on to our show. Our guest today is a pre- and post-NATO fitness specialist and a mother of three children. She has a bachelor in kinesiology, and she attended graduate school to study exercise physiology. She began her quest to understand more about the effects of exercise on the pregnant body after discovering there were very little information about it. She's been certified by several nationally recognized fitness organizations, including the Gray Institute, National Academy of Sports Medicine, American College of Sports Medicine. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Danielle Spangler. Hi, Danielle. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. When did you move here? Um, About 20 years ago, I moved from Dallas, Texas, and I was uh, hired by the Sports Club LA in West Los Angeles on Santa Monica and Sepulveda. And I became their pre and postnatal master trainer on staff. Uh, They were asking as they hire in trainers what kind of clientele they're interested in working with. And as I explained in my background, I attended graduate school and became very interested in prenatal fitness because of the lack of information. So I started doing my own research and was very comfortable with working with this clientele, recognized they needed a specialty of their own. And so I developed a great practice there at Sports Club LA for almost five years until I had my first child. Wow. So then you got to experience what it was like. I did. Yes. So I... I asked, you know, it's very interesting going from being a trainer who hadn't yet had children and training pregnant women and new mothers to becoming pregnant myself and going through what my clients have been talking about all of those years. So it definitely gave me a new perspective and a new empathy for all of the women that are pregnant and trying to find out how to exercise properly and how to take care of themselves and just feel good. Yeah. And you decided to have two more kids after that. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) I definitely (laughs) drank the kid Kool-Aid and I had a few more children. So for about I'd say almost a decade, I was knee deep in having little ones and trying to exercise myself and get 
healthy in between each pregnancy and also be a mom. So, and I continued my journey and training other peers throughout that process. So I did work out with all three of my babies uh, before, during, and after pregnancy. It became definitely more challenging the more you have, but it is very rewarding. And as a result, I have these three amazing little athletes. And I think something that I'll discuss later, which is really neat, is Obviously, role modeling, we role model events in so many ways, but to show them that it's very important to take care of your body inside and out is really, really important. It starts very early on. Absolutely. And like you said, modeling is the best way to teach your children. It's no longer do what I say and not what I do, right? Exactly. And they say that's that's never worked in the past. (laughs) Nope. And they watch everything you do from your eating to what you do activity wise. And they realize what what you say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you can't really eat McDonald's yourself and choose to give them fruit because they're not going to understand why are they not getting McDonald's as well. You definitely have to practice what you preach and exercise is no different. I know you wrote in the NASM education courses. Tell us what the NASM is. So the NASM stands for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And they're one of the main organizations in the fitness industry that's responsible for certifying and educating fitness professionals. And I was a certified personal, personal trainer through them throughout my, um, my time at Sports Club LA. And towards the end of my pregnancy, I met the president of the NASM. It was, at the time, it was based out of Calabasas. And we partnered with um, Sports Club LA and NASM because they were both very prestigious organizations. So they worked together in educating our trainers. So they came for a workshop. I met the president. I, I myself was only about a month from having my baby. And we were talking about something called foam rolling and how it would benefit the general population. It's a, it's a um, type of stretching and recovery and reactive method. So I was asking questions about how would it apply to my clients being the prenatal or the postpartum women. And the president said, wow, you seem to know more about this topic than I do. And he said, how would you like to write the continuing education program for trainers? once you had your baby. And so that's exactly what happened after I had my daughter. They came to me and I put together a continuing education program specifically to educate trainers on what pregnancy does to the body, how it affects all the different systems of the body, and how to develop safe and effective exercise programming specifically for this clientele. It's interesting that so many years later, there's still such a lack of information out there. And it's really important to know that pregnant women and new moms, for so many reasons, should be exercising. And I will uh, tell you a little bit about ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, which is very different from the NASM, but they actually set the guidelines for doctors and OBGYNs in how to treat pregnant women. Oh, and what is their guideline? So they've had guidelines throughout the years, mainly starting in the 80s um, and 90s. They talk about, they used to talk about what a woman's heart rate should be when she's exercising, when she's pregnant. And that number was just thrown out as 140 beats per minute. 
which if you're an athlete, that can be on the low side. So a lot of women were kind of concerned about exercising because um, they weren't comfortable with getting their heart or heart rate up higher than that. So the ACOG keeps changing their guidelines as they learn more and understanding that heart rate isn't one of the things we should be looking at. So over the years, they've changed, and this last committee opinion that was released in 2015 stated that barring any serious medical conditions, that all pregnant women would benefit from safe exercise. And the issue is that sometimes fitness professionals and the medical community aren't able to communicate really well. So the doctor, mostly the patients are getting their information from their doctor, and their doctor may say very general guidelines to exercise, or they may be looking at the ACOG guidelines from 20 years ago. They may not have seen the update, so they may say, oh, just go walk or give them a very general uh, guideline to go by, but the patient says, well, that's very general. I don't know how intensely to walk. I don't know how far to walk, etc." And actually, walking can be pretty contraindicated towards the end of pregnancy. In other words, many pregnant women have really tight hip flexors, so walking doesn't necessarily always help them. Plus, they're moving in a forward motion when all of their weight as their belly and their breasts are growing is pulling them forward anyways. So that's not very beneficial to them and it's not very good for their needs. Now, if you have nothing else to do, walking is movement. It still has some benefits, but ideally they want to be involved in a strengthening program that exercises their whole body, but specifically focuses on their pelvic muscles and their core muscle, which I can share a little more information about if you're ready. What is the pelvic floor and why is it so important? <laughs> um, so men and women both have pelvic floors. And is this like the Kegel exercise that they always talk about? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, pelvic floor muscles are not just that. That's specifically of the birth canal, the vagina. But um, I'm going to tell you that there's a lot more muscles to that. Um, the pelvic floor muscles, if you just imagine... If you put your hand on your lower abdomen and look down at it, it's basically like a sling that's underneath you. So it is where your reproductive organs are. It holds up not just reproductive organs, but also houses a lot of your digestive organs, your intestines and so on, everything. And it basically holds up everything in your torso. So you can see how it holds a lot of weight for both males and females. And of course, it, gaining weight can affect your pelvic floor because you're pushing down. It's adding more stress to those muscles. The number one cause of creating any pelvic floor dysfunction or weakness basically comes from being pregnant and childbirth. So you can imagine uh, there's a string of a lot of muscles that make up the pelvic floor. And they wrap around your pelvis. They wrap around your hips. And some of them are very tiny muscles, but they are very important to function and to movement. So if you don't strengthen these muscles, again, once you become pregnant and then deliver, which can be very traumatic on those muscles, then you can have problems later down the road physically. Uh, some things talk about what pelvic floor dysfunction means. Pelvic floor dysfunction is basically 
a broad term to describe several different conditions. Some conditions you've probably heard of and some may seem a little bit obscure to you, but um, I'll list some of them and you can stop me if you have any further questions. But one of the number one things that most women experience through life after having a baby is incontinence. So they leak when, when they cough or they laugh or just they don't have that control over their muscles, over their pelvic floor muscles, and they just release urine uncontrollably. Sometimes if they've even had a more of a traumatic birth with some tearing, there could be also fecal incontinence as well. So this is really embarrassing, and we know that at least 60 or so percent of all women experience some kind of incontinence, but it's probably a higher number, but many women don't talk about it because it is embarrassing. And sadly, um, I recently attended a conference where there were physical therapists talking about pelvic floor dysfunction, and if it's not treated as soon as possible, ideally with women who've had babies, then when women are older, they're going to still have to live with this. The number one reason that women go into nursing facilities, for example, is because of incontinence. So they may have all their mental faculties about them, but if they're unable to control their leaking, then they are going off to um, get help and get care. So, and that's 100% preventable. You're saying it actually is curable no matter how long it's been since you've had the child. Absolutely. It is curable, the right kind of exercising. And going back to Kegel contractions, we've all heard about Kegel contractions. And the problem with Kegel contractions is that I'm not saying that they're not effective, because when they're done properly, they can be effective in contracting the muscle and strengthening the muscle. But a lot of us are not doing it properly. There was a study done to see if women were actually fully contracting and relaxing um, that area. And what they were doing is usually coming to a halfway contracted state. And if you're not sure what a kegel contraction is, imagine you're urinating and you stop the flow of urine. Those are the muscles involved for both males and females. So if you're shutting off the urine, you're contracting and doing a kegel contraction essentially. However, most of us are unable to get to a full contraction and then fully relax. So that puts a lot of stress on the muscles. The way that we know people are doing that properly is simply by an internal examination by a licensed physical therapist that works with this population. And in some cases, when there's been a lot of trauma to the birth canal or to the pelvic floor muscles, this is something that physical therapists can help their patients uh, in strengthening those pelvic floor muscles a little more intimately. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm a personal trainer, so I work on more of the external element. I am also a big advocate of women seeking physical therapy assistance after having a baby and during pregnancy. And I wanted to note also that 9900% of all women that I've ever cared for have some form of pelvic floor dysfunction. So I talked about incontinence, which is the number one, um, I'd say, symptom that most of us are familiar with. Another symptom that can go along with pelvic floor dysfunction and can be very common is sciatic pain or piriformis pain, that deep glute pain. That goes back to what we call the floor muscle. So if you have that shooting pain in your glute, 
or your side, or you have chronic lower back pain, that can all be indicative of weak pelvic floor muscles. And by strengthening those pelvic floor and quote core muscles, then you are able to build up strength and relieve the pain and inflammation with the right technique. So now you can do this all while you're pregnant or after to prevent and reduce the chance of getting incontinent and sciatic nerve. Exactly, exactly. So anything you can do, strengthen those muscles is going to help reduce any pain, inflammation, and tightness that you're going to experience. Now, is there a certain trimester that a pregnant woman can exercise and at what stage postpartum should they resume, especially if they've had, say, C-section? Any trimester is appropriate to exercise. Most women don't know they're pregnant till later in their first trimester. And typically, I would say to most pregnant women in their first trimester, do what makes you feel comfortable. Now, a lot of women in the first trimester might not feel totally up to exercising. You might feel more fatigued or nauseous. And actually, exercise will help you with that. The reason why you have morning sickness is because your body starts producing progesterone and that slows down your digestion so food sits for longer in your stomach. But if you're exercising and you're moving, it actually pushes the food through faster and improves your circulation. It also helps wake you up, gives you more energy, and when you sleep, you sleep better from exercising. So ideally, first trimester, you would start right away, starting to exercise your pelvic floor muscles and your core muscles. And basically, your activity doesn't have to change very much. So in other words, if you're already running or you're taking spinning class or whatever it is, most likely you can continue your regular path unless there's some reason you're a high-risk pregnancy candidate. And then as you get into the second and third trimester, as your belly is growing, your posture is changing, then it would be necessary to stop activities that you did prior to pregnancy. Some people have continued running through their whole pregnancies. There have been marathon runners who have run marathons at five or six months pregnant. It's not one thing I would definitely advise for most women, even if they feel good running, because your body, with so many other issues with the pelvic floor, your body is also producing a hormone called relaxin, and it loosens up your joints, so you're more hypermobile. So you're more likely to injure yourself because your joints are hypermobile and they don't feel that full extension. And it can also create more tightness, which is ironic. So I don't necessarily recommend anything impact, nothing with high impact. So no running, no jumping. Um, those things are definitely not advisable through the second or third trimester of pregnancy because of the pressure on the pelvic floor and the chances of hypermobility in the body. And then what about postpartum? You can start exercising. When you start feeling up to it, I remember I did talk about walking as being a little contraindicated. After you've had the baby, however, you can just start doing some light walking. Usually, even after a C-section, they get you up within 48 hours. I want you to start moving again. So starting slowly, some light walking, and even some very light pelvic floor work is advisable. Going to an exercise class, for example, class that I offer, you would not be able to do that until your six-week clearance checkup. And that's what most doctors would recommend, that you don't resume regular exercise for six weeks postpartum. Now, I want to tell you that it's really important for women to start moving when they feel up to it, because the longer you wait, it's going to be a little more challenging on your muscles, and you want to feel good and get back into life. But it's also important on how you move. 
So I don't advise women at six weeks. When you think about it, you haven't exercised that much in six weeks since having your baby. And then some women haven't exercised that hard during their pregnancy. You don't want to go back gangbusters and take your old kickboxing class or anything that's really hardcore or even going back to running at six weeks is a big no-no in my opinion. But coming to a class that I offer, and this is why I started my classes specifically for this population is that they're safe and effective and they move you in the right way. And I know not everyone is accessible uh, to my location, but I will give you more information in a little while on how I can help guide you through it. And there's other places in the U.S. and internationally. Uh, there's other countries that are doing a lot with the pre natal population. In fact, in France and other countries in Europe, they're actually providing physical therapy to women within a month of them giving, giving birth. Yeah, other countries are so much farther advanced than we yes. are. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, we are not doing a lot of that for women here. And women have to be their own advocates because they'll go to the doctor and the doctor will examine them. And a lot of my clients, this is another pelvic floor dysfunction term called diastasis recti. It's very common, basically a separation of the right and left sides of the abdominals where the connective tissue has thinned during pregnancy and actually perhaps torn a little bit. I would say it's life-threatening, but it's very uncomfortable. It can cause a lot, a lot of chronic lower back pain. It can cause hernias in the front of the body because basically your abdominals have no support and your organs are just kind of left to push forward and bear down more on your pelvic floor. So this is actually, again, 100% caused by pregnancy and delivery, although people can also have diastasis from uh, severe weight gain. So what I was going to say is that a lot of my clients come to me, I will go through a checklist with them to find out if they have any pelvic floor dysfunction, and I'll specifically ask them about diastasis recti. And I'll ask if their doctor had tested them for the for that condition. And usually only one out of maybe six, seven women says, oh, yeah, my doctor mentioned that and did check me. So it's up to the physical therapist, the health practitioner, the fitness professional that they're working with to ask those questions and to test them to make sure, because that's really important. If a woman has diastasis, she needs to be very careful about what she does with her abdominals, because she can actually make that uh, tear bigger if she's not aware that she has this condition. So any woman out there who has suspected they have diastasis, Sometimes it's very noticeable with like a coning over the belly button. Um, you know, when you're really, sometimes it kind of cones out right over the belly. That's one way that it's obvious. Another way is if you're lying flat on your back. This is for my postpartum clients, not for my pregnant. If you're lying flat on your back and you put two fingers just about an inch above your belly button and then lift your shoulders off the floor, you can see if you can slip your fingers in between the right and left side of your abdominals, you might have a little bit of diastasis. Now, I've seen minor cases, which are usually one to two finger width, all the way to four fingers. If it's a four finger width or you're having really a lot of discomfort, you need to go to physical therapy for sure. Um, but definitely get it treated because you don't want to let it go, especially uh, if you plan to have more children, and again, down the long term, you don't want to have any physical issues because of the diastasis, because this too is preventable. 
all of these things are preventable. Right. So let's talk about some solutions. And if you're in the Los Angeles area, you can take Danielle's classes. We'll have information in the show notes on how you can get a hold of her. But what about the people who don't live near you, Danielle? How can they get the benefits and solutions? Absolutely. So um, I'm actually working on a series of videos that I'm hoping will be out fairly soon. I am always happy to receive emails or you can go to my website and I can share information with you. If that is not something feasible for you, I can give you guys just some quick, easy things that you can do at home to help yourself with pelvic floor strength. So number one, pelvic floor strength is very much a part of your posture and the way you're standing. It's affected by your posture. If you're pregnant or just had a baby, there are three things I noticed that, that all pregnant and new mommies do. They tend to round their upper back, which is called kyphosis, but thoracic rounding. And what happens when you're rounding your back is your shoulders start to rotate in, which can cause some other issues. If you've ever had carpal tunnel syndrome or any um, thumb issues or elbow issues during pregnancy or right after, usually it stems from the rounding of the upper back. But what it also does is it puts more pressure on the pelvic floor. Your body's trying to compensate and hold your upper body up taller over the pelvic floor. And if it can't line it up, it's bearing down on the pelvic floor muscles. So what I would have my clients do is work on standing up all. You can stand up against the wall, push your heels against the wall, and then take your uh, pointer finger and gently push your chin so that your head goes all the way back into the wall. Make sure your shoulders are pulled down to the wall and try to stand in that position just for 30 to 60 seconds to start. Nothing really extreme, but practice that if you can a couple of times a day. Once you've obtained that position, without moving, you can step away from the wall and try to just hold that position. I know it sounds really basic, but you'll discover that sometimes it's hard to push your head back into the wall because your head is naturally going forward because of the rounding of the upper back. So that's something very simple that most people can do. Um, I'm going to tell you some of the most beneficial exercises is what we like to do to talk about pelvic floor muscles in an easy way to activate them is through a motion called adduction. Adduction is simply uh, when you're squeezing your legs in or you're squeezing any body part towards your body. So I'll give you a visual. If you sit up nice and tall on a chair with your back away from the chair, and again, using good posture with your shoulders down and back, your chest lifted, and your head just neutral, you could put a pillow between your knees. Your knees should be bent in a 90-degree angle and your feet flat on the floor. And you practice squeezing the pillow as hard as you can and then relaxing it. Every time you squeeze the pillow, you hold for a count of three, and then you relax your legs. And you repeat that 10 to 15 times. That will start to strengthen those adductor muscles, which help strengthen your pelvic floor muscles. That's another good, easy one to do. Um, another great exercise I like to prescribe and like to do are squats. But the trouble with that is if I can't see you, I feel like I, I'd like to show somebody and watch them do a squat because I want to make sure it's appropriate for them. So in other words, if they're bending from their waist, that would be a no-no. I will probably have to reconfigure their form to make it more form 
fitting for them, in other words. And, and you can do different footwork. But if you're comfortable with squats and you know you're doing them well or you have access to a fitness professional that could maybe uh, screen you and watch you do them, then squats are amazing for building strength in your legs and in your floor muscles and in your core. And the last exercise I'm going to share with you is if you were, I think almost everyone heard of a bridge. Basically what a bridge looks like is you lie flat on the floor. I really like doing, again, the adduction that I described earlier. So I would have you lie flat on the floor with your knees bent, feet flat on the floor as well, head, shoulders, everything on the floor, squeezing at the same time the slow between your knees. I would have the woman elevate her hip as high off the ground as she can and then back down. And again, repeating slowly about 10 to 15 times up and down. And this can be done multiple sets. She can rest for a good you know, minute or so and then repeat bridging again. Now, if she is in her second or third trimester, it's not always advisable to be flat on your back. And it's not a big health risk, but what it does is it can be very uncomfortable for the woman. It can constrict blood flow. So a lot of women, this is one of those kind of um, myths that we keep talking about or guidelines that's a little bit outdated. It's dependent on the person, how much weight they're, you know, pressure they're getting from their pregnancy. If they're carrying multiple, for example, they might be uh, not comfortable on their back earlier on than a woman who, say, is having a single baby, hasn't gained a lot of weight, and towards the third trimester, it only starts to get uncomfortable then. So if you are in your second or third trimester, a bridge is awesome, but what you want to do is to put some pillows under your upper back and your head to elevate your upper body just a little bit. Also, if you had any reflux or uh, heartburn as a pregnant woman, this would also help you a little bit by elevating your upper body. So you would have, uh, you'd be less likely to have the reflux while performing the exercise. So that's my... Um, four tip and it's really easy to do and if you look up bridging on the uh on on youtube and go to my website you can see bridging done you can see squatting what it would look like uh you can see what it would look like to check your posture and so on and all of these are safe for both rambles natal okay awesome well we're out of time i want to make sure that people know Danielle's website is in the show note, daniellespangler.com, and her email is there, so is her phone number. Reach out to her, get to know how she can help you, whether it's online or in person. She also has a great program. Is it on your website that they can find out more about it? Certainly, yes. The, the program is called Bionic Mommy and or Mom, and I am teaching at a variety of facilities, in, uh, mostly in the South Bay and Los Angeles. I teach at three different places, but soon we launch at Yoga Works. Uh, so hopefully you can grab a class throughout LA and Yoga Works is a national chain. So we're hoping it'll be moving into multiple facilities very soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danielle. This is tremendous help for all mommies because I know it's been 10 years since I've had kids and I need to exercise those pelvic muscle for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We can all use some extra pelvic floor strength. Absolutely. Okay. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, always be learning and always be growing.
Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.